0: Welcome back to the McCann Dogs Podcast. This is episode 35 and uh, today joining me, as she does every week, is the Director of Online Training, Shannon Viljaso. Thanks for joining us, Shannon.
1: Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody.
0: Now we have, a pretty important topic to talk about today. Um, in the in recent weeks in our local area we, we were in um, Ontario Canada uh, and not long ago a three-year-old girl was attacked at a dog park and um, it, you know it was it made news headlines it um, was met with uh, mixed feelings in social media and um, Shannon wrote this incredible article on uh, the McCann Dogs blog um, about the idea of common sense and uh, dogs, and it has uh, it has been very well received. Shannon has been, uh, uh, you know, contacted by veterinarians, by dog trainers from all over the world asking to republish and repost this article. So if you're uh, interested in reading her article, you can check that out in the show notes below. But um, today I want to deep dive into uh, some of the messages that Shannon thought uh, were really important to get across. And uh, so this episode of uh, our podcast is uh, called the problem with common sense and dogs. And we're going to jump right into that. I'm Ken steep and welcome back to McCann dogs. So Shannon, the, um, uh, the attention that this article has, uh, garnered is pretty spectacular. I think in 24 hours, uh, it has had tens of thousands of reads, uh, hundreds of shares. Um, why do you think this, was so um struck such a chord with so many people when it comes to uh, dog ownership and dog training
1: i think that in the dog world there's generally two senses of thought there are are people who know dogs know what they're capable of and see them as dogs and those people tend to be you know the trainers the vets the those of us that have worked long and hard with dogs. And we know that there's, yes, there's this absolutely amazing creature in front of us. They are so special beyond any descriptive that I could ever give. We all love our dogs so incredibly much, but we need to still recognize all of the time that they are dogs. They're a different species. So the other, um, I think the other type of dog owner and dog lover is the person that identifies their dogs as their kids. And I don't mean in the sense that, like myself, I don't have human children, so my dogs fill a certain role in my life when it comes to, you know, the, the maternal things that that work their way into my day-to-day, but I still never lose sight of the fact that I'm dealing with a different species. And there's a, a, there's a certain thinking with dogs that says that dogs are little people, they're little fur kids and that seems very harmless however it's truly not because it does it does force the common sense in the world to re-evolve to align itself with the current level of thinking so if 75% of the population is thinking that dogs are fur kids. We're forgetting that they are powerful, they're strong, they're fast, and they're going to use different tools to convey their messages. And those are tools that we may not find to be desirable traits. You know, we don't want our dogs to bite, we don't want them to growl at us, we don't want them to bark obsessively. However, those are tools that dogs will use to communicate their feelings and communicate their needs and their wants. So, Biting to a dog is a normal thing. We see that as as an undesirable trait. And when we set ourselves up to view dogs as little humans, we forget about the fact that they have a mouthful of razor blades, that they can do a lot of damage in a very short period of time if they're put in a situation where that's their natural reactions are going to come out. So I, I think that that is the biggest message that that I was trying to convey with this blog post. And I think it really resonated with a lot of people that know that dogs are still a different species and that recognize every day and remember that we still need to be respectful of the fact that they are not little humans and their instincts are going to dictate their behavior very differently than what ours would
0: now for anyone that's not familiar with uh, the incident that we are talking about it was a it was a news headline where we live but can you just sort of um fill our podcast audience in on on you know what happened
1: yeah, absolutely. So young 3-year-old Georgia, um I guess they were out with their their grandfather on a Sunday afternoon and her brother was with them as well. They were looking for something to do. I I would imagine and they wanted to go and see the dogs at the park. They didn't have a dog of their own. So uh, that right there in itself is a little bit of a scary situation because a dog park really doesn't have the structure that it should so they wanted to go to the dog park they wanted to watch the dogs and I guess Georgia was excited and running around and running on a hill and there was a dog in the park that got stimulated by that action, and chased, grabbed her by the back of the neck and the back of the head, and actually dragged her approximately 25 feet down a hill. And she ended up with uh, severe lacerations. She was taken to emergency and later um, transferred to Sick Kids Hospital. She is stable as far as I know. She was listed as stable by Tuesday. I haven't been able to find any updates about how she's doing now, but, you know, hopefully she's on the mend. Um, And... it was just it, one of those situations that everything changes in a blink. And when I read the original article, I thought, like, how did that happen? There's so many, there's so many things going on here. There's there's the grandfather, there's the kids themselves, there's the dog, there's the dog owner who unfortunately made a really poor decision and grabbed his dog and ran out of the park. So he didn't stick around to talk to police. You know, that it, that's a very terrible situation as Pretty well. Pretty unthinkable. I was looking yeah, absolutely. And I was looking for information about whether or not they even exchanged information about rabies. Was the dog vaccinated? Does Georgia now have to go through um, a series of vaccinations for rabies? I, I, I've not found any of those details. That's just one of the things to consider. But the other thing, of course, is the fact that you are responsible. You are 100% criminally responsible for your animals. So it, it's essentially the same same thing as leaving a hit and run accident you know, he did not stick around and the police are, as far as I know, the police are still looking for him. Wow. Um, I haven't been able to find an update as far as whether or not he's come forward or they've been able to find him, so.
0: Now, you and I often um, have conversations about dog training and occasionally we find challenges with people who have this Disney model idea of dogs and uh, how dogs think and, you know, that, what that human ex- human's expectation of their dog should be. Tell our audience a little bit about how the Disney model of dogs isn't necessarily true, but how a lot of people sort of have this impression that their dogs should behave a certain way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 this all feeds into the common sense. This is what I mean about the 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 ideal common sense is shifting in our society because of our influences. And that's what happens, you know. I, we don't have the same common sense now that we would have had 3 or 400 years ago. Our common sense evolves as times evolve and as the things in our life evolve. So uh, the Disney model of dogs, I always call it, is this wonderful world where dogs are always friendly, always sweet. They're they're so smart, they can read, they can they can identify the bad guys over the good guys. They'll, you know, jump into the line of fire to save a kid and they're safe in every situation, right? You can have kids jumping all over them. You can have them kicking them and pushing them and pulling ears. And the dog in a Disney movie is just a great dog that's going to take that and be happy and say, you know what? Yeah, let's go play some more. And that's a lovely fantasy but it is simply a fantasy it is not reality and and that sets us up for dangerous times because having a dog that you think you can trust a hundred percent with every child in every situation it's just not attainable it's not there's always going to be something in that scenario so even a dog that it is so accustomed to kids that, you know, maybe they live with four or five kids. My neighbor has four dogs, or pardon me, my neighbor has four kids and two dogs. So I would imagine that those dogs are pretty bombproof about a lot of things with their kids, but not every dog gets that exposure. Not every dog is going to be that tolerant. And even when you have that dog, you know, that dog that is wonderful in almost every scenario, you've never seen them put a foot out of line as far as growling or raising a lip or air snapping at the kid or anything like that even that dog has bad days. You know, there might be a day where that dog is sore. They might have a headache or something of that nature. You know, there's all sorts of things up in the air that we really don't know about, um, about how dogs are feeling. And we know that there are situations where dogs get headaches. So if we can't identify that, we don't know. And that dog may not be feeling as tolerant that day and things might end up in a disaster. So I think our best chance is to try to educate and realign the common sense to be practical and safe and realistic as well.
0: Yeah, I think those are uh, really, really important points. Now, when the uh, when the article, not your article, but the news article was first published, <clears throat> it was met with... Uh, all kinds of responses, people, you know, uh, supporting the dog and people, you know, um, supporting the grandfather. And, and it was just, it was really sort of mixed review of things and talk about your impression of, uh, you know, uh, how people responded to that article.
1: Yeah. and And that's what made me, change my plans and and write this blog post instead of the blog post I was originally planning for this week. I needed to sort of get my head wrapped around how I was feeling on an emotional level, being somebody who you know, loves and tries to trust dogs as much as possible, even with that knowledge in the back of my head, knowing that they're still a different creature, you know, feeling, feeling scared for the little girl, feeling sorry for the whole family, feeling really sorry for the grandfather. You know, I'm, as I said in the article, hopefully we never ever have regrets as big as what he is going to have, because when you make a mistake you either recover or you don't. But if it's a mistake that's so overwhelming that it is going to challenge you for the rest of your life and not even that, but now you've got, you've opened yourself up to the world and here's everybody in the world, you know, dehumanizing as we tend to do with people on the internet. And we put so much anger into trying to find blame for people. And the unfortunate part of the situation is that all the blame in the world will never change what happened in that scenario. And I always think about mistakes that I've made in my life, and and I think I'm lucky enough to be at the point where I've never made a mistake that is so colossal that I'll feel regret about it for the rest of my life. You know, I've made more than my fair share of mistakes. That's for sure. And we there's all there's never do, of been course. anything that. Yeah, absolutely. There's never been anything in my life that has been a mistake that I've made that has resulted in somebody I love being hurt and possibly changed for the rest of their life. And I really, really feel for this man. That mistake was a terrible mistake to make. And people kept saying, you know, common sense would dictate why would you bring a dog or a child to a dog park and let them run. And if you understand that because you know dogs are a different species and you, you have that belief that dogs are capable of doing damage and you need to treat them with respect as dogs instead of little people, of course it's common sense to you. But if this is not your life and your day to day, and you're just thinking, oh, it's a dog park, it's going to be dogs running around playing, having fun, much like, you know, everybody who thinks of a doggy daycare center thinks that the people who work there just play with dogs all day long. And that really couldn't be further from the truth. You're managing play, you're watching out for a million different things. Those people, if they're doing it right, should be absolutely exhausted by the end of the day, not sitting back and thinking, oh, that was such a fun day playing with dogs. Mm -hmm. They are working hard if, they're doing it right. So if if your life doesn't include that, your common sense is completely different. And I'm sure that's the situation with this man and the mistake that he unfortunately made. And I just thought I needed to put my thoughts down on paper and I needed to try to make sense of it. And I needed to figure out how, even in the smallest way possible, I could help to educate people like him, you know, kids like Georgia to say, you need to use due caution. Yes, love dogs. However, have some basic rules when it comes to it to keep yourself safe.
0: Yeah, I think Uh, social media really plays a role in this, um, misconception that dogs love to be hugged and dogs, you know, love to, uh, sleep with the baby and like, there's all these, you'd see, you know, pictures and videos and things that people think are adorable. and And it gets all this social media attention when it's just such a dangerous scenario. And I mean, this one isolated case may not, uh, you know, have resulted in anything tragic, but it could be, and it, I mean, things could turn so quickly where, we we just it, it it so it totally makes sense that people have a um you know a uh an inaccurate common sense uh when it comes to kids and dogs mm-hmm.
1: definitely absolutely
0: so let's talk in your article you uh talked about four rules that uh, you need to keep in mind when it uh comes to kids and dogs you know dealing with uh, dogs whether it's a strange dog or your own dog um it's important that we follow these four rules and making sure to, to, to keep kids safe because that's ultimately what we really want to make sure of. and keep everyone safe. I mean, we, we talk about it being kids, but there's all sorts of incidents where uh, adults have been bitten as well. It's not isolated to kids, just kids are maybe a little bit more susceptible to it because they're probably more trusting. And my mind immediately goes to some uh, kids that I've met when we've been out with our dogs who have a dog at home and they say, oh, you know, my scooter at home, uh, you know, is, is so much fun and we'd love to play with him and um, and they may kids may be able to get away with walking right up to their dog you know face to face um, where a a strange dog that could be uh, perceived as as a sign of uh, threat I mean it's you know you've got to be really really careful but I think these four rules that you talk about in this blog post are a really good way to uh, keep kids safe. It, it, so let's jump in to the first rule. It's uh, respect dogs as dogs and we'll talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that just basically what I'm trying to convey there is know that there are different species as much as we look at them and our hearts just go, Oh my gosh, look at my little baby. Look at my sweet little munchkin. I mean, we can love our dogs to the moon and back. We can spoil them rotten as long as they are good members of the family and they're not giving us grief. You know, you can include them in every part of your life. You can you can let them be a, a full-fledged member of the family. But always remember in that they are a different species. Their instincts will dictate very differently for them. And if you... Definitely, if you haven't taken the time to train and build tolerance and, and, um, and, build understanding of bite inhibition and things like that, you are potentially in a situation where they might act on those instincts a little bit quicker than if you'd spent some time teaching rules and teaching understanding of those rules inside and outside of the home. So and building um building their understanding of those skills is only going to help you. You know, if this was a situation at the park where the owner of the dog saw the dog getting excited because he'd taken enough time to to know his dog you, you can tell when your dog's getting stimulated you can read that body language and if the dog had enough training to be in a situation where he was off leash which i personally think if the dog is if your dog is not under good voice control they should never be off leash outside no, of your home period. absolutely not for too sure. much risk if you haven't taken the time to teach a great recall and i don't mean this to sound like a lecture but it's so important don't let your dog off leash. Don't let them be in a situation where they could end up in a disastrous outcome. So there's no question you
0: you are responsible for keeping your dog safe. Uh, you you are responsible for keeping other people safe. Um, you know, so that's a that's quite a risk to take. It's and it's just not worth it.
1: Yeah. And if this guy's if this this man's dog had started running and he'd been able to say hey or come or call the dog's name and broken that stimulation and that excitement and redirected the dog that's going to be a much better outcome now that is a very well-trained dog who when they're in that high of a level of stimulation will listen to a recall it is absolutely attainable for all dogs if you put in the work but you need to be honest with yourself if you haven't put in that work and you know there's a chance that your dog is not going to respond they should not be off leash And, and again this is an awful situation i also um i i have my frustration with this man, my anger with this man for leaving the scene and leaving Georgia to sort of fend for herself in that scenario. But I also think that He probably wasn't expecting his day to turn out that way. He went to the park to play with his dog, just thinking, you know, this is going to be another day in life as usual. And I feel bad for him as well that his life took such a drastic right turn because of that one decision that should have been an innocent decision. But he really needed to have done more training with his dog. And of course... Without question, he needed to stay and try to help as much as possible. Yeah,
0: yeah, th- th- it, this definitely uh, gives it t- gives this story a, a really villainous turn when uh, he uh, escapes like that. in this it's just horrifying to believe that anyone would do that, or that would be someone's first instinct to run away. It just doesn't make sense to me. Now, when you talk about treating dogs as dogs, I think um, I, I immediately think about our border collies that uh, I do sheep herding with, and they are the most well behaved, sweetest, kindest things, but the moment we get out to the uh, field, they turn into these little working machines. They love to herd the sheep. They want to you know, fetch them and gather them and bring them to me. But uh, you know that is something that is deeply um, ingrained in there through years and years of breeding, and uh, it would be very difficult to um, you know consider. To, to to build that out of them to drive it out of them one of my greatest challenges I have is to you know uh, it's essentially a um, an attenuated hunting uh, uh, behavior you just sort of take that the the end stage of that hunting off but they're naturally dogs and I can go in the agility arena I can run agility with them I can do a rally obedience and have lots of fun I have a dog who loves to listen but we get out to the sheep field and they switch back into dogs and I think the idea and maybe we've got come a long way from 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 the idea of uh, dogs being used almost as a tool. You know, they were bred for a lot of these reasons, for working and whatever, and and then it became, uh, we would breed for aesthetic reasons. But I mean, this all boils down to the fact that dogs are dogs and and you know they were um used for all sorts of other things rather than just to lay next to us that's that's something that's of a real benefit to us when we're watching tv or when we want to go out uh, for a walk with our four-legged family member uh but they 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 really uh they are wild animals who we have um, you know turned into uh family pets it's important we don't overlook that Absolutely. Now, uh, um, go ahead Shannon.
1: I was just going to say, this is where training comes into play. You know, you can either let your dog have those instincts and hope that you never, ever have to contradict those instincts, or you can acknowledge those instincts, know that they're there, know that they will always be there, and then build a training program around that to help to ensure that, you know, if you are at the park and your dog suddenly does go into herding mode because there's three kids or three other dogs or something like that you know, with the right amount of training, you should be able to call them off, you know, using your name, using a come command. If you put in enough effort, you can challenge whether or not they are going to default to their instincts or whether or not your training is going to hold up. And I'm not suggesting that you should, Try to get out there and challenge your training, but I am suggesting that you definitely have a much better chance of stopping that dog from acting on their instincts if you've put in the time, put in the effort, and you've created a history of your dog listening and responding to your cues.
0: Yeah, I um, that reminds me, we were at a birthday party, I was with um, uh, Rad, my uh, youngest I guess our second youngest border collie and there were kids. Another instructor had her two uh, kids running around and rad got pretty stimulated by the kids running and screeching and squealing. And I could see him in, uh, you know, he started to f- flank and head way out. I had to ask him to lie down. I called him back over and I asked him to go lie on his bed because I know leaving him in that situation, he would, he just sees them as, you know, something that needs to be herded. It's a, <laughs> that, that prey drive um, fires up. Disorganized and, kids. Right. Exactly. So, you know, uh, having those uh, those skills and the go lie down in your bed is always a nice one because you can just have them go to wherever you need them to go and it's uh, then your dog's responsibility to remain there so um, I, I've, I mean I've been through that exact same uh, situation uh, that you were just talking about and, and I know how yeah. valuable it was to have a dog who loves to listen
1: yeah, well, and in a perfect world too, your timing on that sounded like it was phenomenal. He started to get stimulated, you immediately stopped that stimulation from occurring. Rather than he started to get stimulated, you let him continue to build that stimulation and then trying to control it after the fact. So yeah, in a, in a perfect world, if we went back to this scenario, as that dog owner, if he had recognized as soon as the child came in, I'm guessing the dog was probably interested in the child probably excited by the child it probably was a few minutes before the dog actually acted on that and my guess is that if he had recognized as soon as the dog started to eyeball the child in the park if he had said you know what this is a bad scene for my dog I'm leaving again would have been a great way to avoid this scenario so learning how to read your dogs it's such an important thing it's so crucial and and doing it honestly you know there. the there's constant, um, constant misinformation on the internet where people will say, oh yeah, I know, I know that dogs pin their ears back when they're worried, but my dog just does that all the time. And, and it doesn't mean that they're worried. And, you know, there may be some situations where that's true, but the majority of the time, 99% of the time, if you see a dog Pinning their ears back, it's because they're going to be, they're concerned about whatever's going on in that environment. And you need to read that and adjust for the dog. Help the dog know that you've got their back and you are going to advocate for them. And if they're worried, you're going to make sure that you somehow try to make that situation okay. And there's, there's so many different ways to get into how to do that, but you need to do you need to do something. And that starts with acknowledging that that body language is accurate. You know, so many times we try to say, oh, my dog's different. He's not really worried and he would never bite. No. If he is showing those signs of stress, those are appeasement behaviors. He's trying to say, I don't want any trouble. I'm concerned. I'm I'm uncertain in this scenario. And you need to respect that. Even if you think you know your dog differently and you know your dog better, it's just not worth the risk to assume that, what you're thinking is the accurate situation. We know that the certain dog, or certain displays of behavior mean certain things in dogs, and we need to acknowledge and advocate for the dogs based on those things.
0: Yeah, it's really important as a dog owner. I love that. Um, the next rule you talk about uh, speaks to the kids is teach your kids to be calm around dogs.
1: Yes, and I, I think it's really important that kids know that the way they behave with their own dogs at home is unique you know they may have this fantastic relationship my you know my neighbor with their four kids and two dogs they they play beautifully in the backyard together they're they're all over the place you know i'll watch body language the dogs are having a blast the kids are having a blast the parents are always watching they're really diligent about that which is fantastic but those kids we don't want those kids thinking that they can go outside of this situation and go to another group of dogs or find two strange dogs on the street and think this is going to be the exact same scenario I can I can jump all over I can run I can let them chase I can chase them you know with anything other than your own dog kids need to know the situation is different so set your rules with your own dog and Make sure that you feel comfortable with how your dogs and kids interact. And again, it's it's always going to be different as far as your rules, as far as the safety of your dogs go. Just, I would say my rule of thumb with that, and when my niece and nephew come over and my dogs are playing with them, they play great. But as soon as I start thinking, I don't like that, I stopped the play. So Ned, for example, he's 18 months right now. He has been learning, 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 and he does a great, great job when he's playing with those kids. But there was a time, maybe when he was around 12 months old, where I saw him starting to get a little bit too stimulated, chasing my young nephew, four years old. And I thought, I don't like this, and I stopped it right away. I just called him in, I had him lie down. I I broke the excitement and the stimulation for a few minutes. Once he had sort of settled, I said, okay, go play, and I watched very closely. His play behavior was much better, so I let it continue. And I'm very clear with those kids for their safety, this is a unique situation. You cannot play with other dogs like that. You cannot assume that it's going to be okay to chase and 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 run away from et cetera. You need to be calm with other kids, and I, you know, adamantly push that opinion on my sister as sure. well. You make yeah. sure they're always calm. Avert eye contact. You know, staring as you said earlier, walking directly towards a dog and and staring directly can be perceived as a threat depending on the dog. And that's a situation where you don't want to, you don't want to see that dog be in a situation where he's feeling intimidated. He may or may not have experience with kids. You just don't know. So the default behavior with all kids, all dogs should always be calm. And then teach them to greet properly, you know, not putting hands over the head, offering a hand for sniffing first, and then maybe a little tickle under the chin that's going to be um, unintrusive for the dog. Keep it very calm and make sure that the kids know how to interact with strange dogs and how to ask. Actually, that's the next point
0: yeah no then that I mean that brings us nicely into, into the next point point. and um, it's first ask the human and then the dog but let's give this a little bit of context you know in your article you talk about um, trying to educate parents and kids when they approach and talk about your personal experience with uh, with that
1: definitely um, I have lots of lots of personal experience with this because I tend to walk my dogs in, in a lot of areas where there's families and outings and whatnot I'm down by the waterfront a lot things like that and I love it when I see the kid ask. You know, I love it when the kid is approaching and you see them sort of whisper to their parents and then they say, can I pet your dog? And and I think what's happening in that whisper is mom, can I ask to pet that dog? And mom, re- or, or dad, sorry, I should, shouldn't be one-sided on that, mom or dad saying, you know, yep, as long as you ask the person. So I, I imagine in that situation that the kid is getting yet another measure of education and that the fact that their default was to say, hey, mom or dad, can I ask to pet that dog is fantastic. Unfortunately, that only happens, I would say on average about half the time. There are times when I have kids come running right up Um, with their parents way, way back. And that's one of the reasons that it's so important that you're not just trying to manage the kids and keeping them under your thumb every time. You need to educate them so that they make the right choices. It's so important that when the kids are excited and they're running along the waterfront and they're 30 feet from their parents and the parents haven't seen that there's a person with a dog approaching, it's so crucial that because that parent can't say, oh, don't touch the dog, that kid recognizes okay this situation i need to ask and hopefully they would go back to their parents to ask or very clearly pose the question to the person myself i would always say it's okay as long as your parent says it's okay i would wait until the parent got closer and then i'm going to set my dogs up and make sure that they're nice and calm and then the the child can come in and say hello to my dogs i absolutely love it when that situation goes as planned but it doesn't always. I would say about half the time I get a child that just runs right towards my dog and I do stop them. And sometimes I get parents that are really angry with me for doing that. And I, I mean, obviously it'll physically stop them, but I will, oh, whoa, 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 oh, this is how we approach dogs. What I want you to do is this. And there are times where parents just think, you know what, you're, you're embarrassing me or, or something of that nature. I'm not really sure what the emotional response is that makes them angry at that. But those are the people I feel I need to educate the most. And it's very awkward in that situation. But I have to say, you know what? Not all dogs are friendly. And I usually put it in context. I work for a dog training organization that I've been with for 20 years. And I can tell you full well, even the sweetest dogs have their days. Like, you really need to make sure that 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 your child asks and, and gets an opinion and knows that the dog is going to be safe in that situation mm-hmm. before you allow them to greet. Like I said, it can be very, very awkward when you've got somebody who's not... Necessarily interested in hearing that, but it's such an important message that, despite the awkwardness, I push through and I make sure that I say my piece and I let them know that they need to keep their child safe. Um, I've had lots of lots of times kids want to hug dogs, and again, I think this is the lack of education that 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 the dogs at home are, are probably different. Even though that's a whole other topic, whether or not you should hug your dogs at home. Um, but definitely strange dogs without question, no hugging. Very, very important for parents to teach their kids, no hugging. And I've had situations where um, the child has asked, and I hug the dog and the mother immediately said yes. And I immediately had to say no.
0: Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> but
1: that was alarming. And, and again, very awkward situation to try to, to try to say to that mother, I'm sorry you really shouldn't allow your daughter to hug other dogs and explain why and what and, and this this woman was lovely and receptive and very grateful actually and lots of times people are as well they're very uh, they're very thankful that that um, they're getting more information to keep their children safe um, and that that woman was but it surprised me because the child was five ish, I would say. Yeah. And that's a long time to have lacked in that education. So for sure, again, it really, it, and
0: it really does speak to the end. It sounds like this, you know, the, the this lady was very uh, invested in her you know, teaching her kid, all the right things, but just had a, um, a, you know, maybe not the right common sense when it comes to dogs because she didn't yes. know. And, and it's not yeah. her fault. It's, it's just sort of the situation that is the case nowadays.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's because the influences of people who maybe don't have dogs are even further from where they should be. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if somebody who doesn't have a dog in their family, those kids are learning through Disney movies and things like that. And the parents aren't necessarily ingrained in the dog world and they don't necessarily have a lot of situations where they're concerned about the safety around dogs. Then suddenly they get into a situation where there is a dog. And they're relying on, again, the common sense that they've perceived from the influences in their world. So watching movies like My Dog Skip and, and you know, Lassie and Old Yeller, well, not Old Yeller as much, but yeah. Old Yeller maybe had a good lesson. <laughs>
0: yeah. For sure. Um,
1: yeah, just, just so, so important. So ask the human first, is it okay if I pet your dog? And this is another place where I've had some trouble. When I say no, there's times that I think I, you know what, I don't know that I like this scenario. I don't know that I want to open my dog up to this. If you have your dog out and about and you think, oh, my dog's not going to like this, say no. But unfortunately, sometimes people get upset with that. They really don't understand and they get um, they get upset that you've suggested that they shouldn't pet your dog. And there's got to be a reason for that. If you're out and about and you want to say hello to a dog and the person says, no, not today... Just respect it. They know why they've decided to make that decision, whether the dog's in training and they don't want the dog to get the reinforcement of of somebody saying hello because they're working on trying to teach their dog not to jump up, or whether they know that their dog will be worried and potentially could growl or snap or bite. Listen to the answer and respect it. Don't be upset by it. Don't be offended by it. Just, okay, well, have a nice day and move on with it. And then the next thing I would suggest is don't rely, don't necessarily rely on the owner's opinion. Ask the dog as well. And this is where it's so important that everybody, not just dog owners, learns a little bit of basic body language. So it's pretty easy to recognize if you've got a really happy, wiggly puppy who says, I absolutely would love nothing better than to be pet by you right now. So I'm coming over to say hello. That's easy. That's a given. If you've got a dog that sort of a little bit more standoffish, if they are trying to look away from you, if their ears are pinned back, if their mouth is open and they're panting, if their tail is tucked, if their hackles are up, you know, all these little signs will tell you that dog is not giving you permission to greet them right now. And for whatever reason, that may be something that the human has been working on. It may be something that's new. It may be something about you that is putting that dog off. You know, we get we get people all the time saying, my dog is absolutely wonderful, so well socialized, loves everybody. But today he absolutely lost his mind over a child in a hat. Maybe just, you know, sort of like the common sense with humans. This is something he's not been exposed to. He didn't realize that there were situations where there could be this, this brim over a person's face and it's, It's put them off. Mm -hmm. So the human may not necessarily know that at the time. They may not necessarily know the dog's about to have a panic over somebody approaching wearing a hat, but the dog will know and the dog will tell you. So respect the answer. If the dog says, no, I don't want to greet you, you need to move on from that. Oh, he's not he's he's a little bit uncertain today, so I'll just say hello from afar and what a cute pup and, you know, maybe have a conversation with the owner, see if the dog gets more at ease and then if they do, you can try greeting at that point or see if they're they're eager to approach you to greet. Again, it's always important that when you're greeting, you're letting them Sniff you first. You're reaching under their underneath the chin and giving them a little tickle. Not over the head. Not um, not over the face. Those things mm-hmm. can be very intimidating, especially from strangers. So just a nice subtle greeting with that.
0: Yeah, and that leads us to uh, the owner. Knowing their dog or doing their best to know what your dog's limitations are, uh, you know, or where that threshold might be that would uh, elicit, uh, you know, some the response that you don't want. So, uh, we, I know you did mention that uh, there will be, we will encounter things that we didn't realize were challenges for our dog. And that's sort of the essence of dog training, proofing through some of these things, identifying some of these challenges. But um, talk about how it applies in this scenario, really uh, knowing uh, what your dog is capable of.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, with my own two dogs that I have, that I'm living with right now, for example, Reggie is 10 and a half, and I've had him since he was nine weeks old. And he is a very soft dog. He is wonderful. He's super friendly, but in that really wiggly, submissive sort of way, which means that I'm very cautious with him because even though his entire life, every single time he's had a soft moment, which is, which is a lot of the time, probably 50% of the time, he's being like the, the sweet soft dog. He's not, a, he's not a run forward into the wall sort of dog. Um, and I know that, that it, if I put too much pressure on him from a social point of view, there is a very good chance that he will get worried. And that is something that's been with him all his life. And I've had to accept that. I've had to accept that this is not a dog where I will ever not have to worry about him in social situations. I'm always going to have to keep my eye on him and make sure that he's comfortable, that he's confident, and that there's not going to be any danger in the situation. So. If I have people over to my house, for example, I will often put him away. I'll often put him in his crate. If if I have him out for a bit and he's doing great, I'll usually have him spend about 20 minutes socializing with everybody and having a good time. And then because I want to relax, I'll put him in his crate. I'll take the pressure off him socially. I take the pressure off me socially. And I make sure that there's not going to be a scenario where because I'm busy in the kitchen getting the next tray of hors d'oeuvres or something like that something happens where you know one of my friends doesn't necessarily know him and know how soft he is and know that he can be worried when it comes to social pressure and some awful accident happens so i'm very very cautious i make sure that i i acknowledge 100 percent the dog that he is the fact that i'm never going to change his basic being. I'm never going to be able to turn him from that, you know, very soft, submissive sort of dog into a dog that's ready to take on the world and you know loves everyone. And that's my Ned. Ned's 18 months, and I can pay much less attention to him when I've got people over at my house because he is just the easygoing guy. It it, it there's there's a big gap between those two dogs where, where it comes to my management with them, where I have to be really cons- not really concerned, but where I have to be concerned with Reggie and know that I have to do my part to help him. And Ned, who's like, ah, yeah, I'll take it as it comes. I still keep an eye on him, of course, because dogs are dogs, but it, it's a very different feeling between those two dogs. And I know them both well enough to acknowledge what I need to do with Ned is different than what I need to do with Reggie. And Reggie's not any lesser of a dog because of that, What's important is that I've recognized and I've kept him safe. You know, For all of these 10 years, he's never had an incident despite being like this all his life because I've managed it, I've taken precautions and I have done my part to train him so well that I can get an instant response from him in any situation. So if he got worried and I thought he might flee or something of that nature, I've got an ironclad recall with him where I know I can keep him safe.
0: Yeah, it was really good. I was just, um, it's so important. You know, we've gone back and forth talking about how important it is to treat dogs as dogs. Um, but we do understand that they are members of our family. Um, and I love this last line in your article and I'll, and i read it to our podcast audience. It says, love your dogs and make them part of your family, but never forget that they are a different species. Respect that, that, and take the time to train them do your part to educate others and be the best advocate you can for the cause of redefining common sense and I hope that this podcast has had that impact on um, you know or or helped people better understand uh, their dogs to understand the dogs that they meet when they're out and about Um, we do our best to to try to create well-behaved four-legged family members for all of our students So over 500 dogs a week come into uh, McCann professional dog trainers and we also try Try to help some of our distance students uh with our my dog can program and shannon is the uh, training director of that program and shannon can you briefly just um let us let our podcast audience know what the my dog can program is all about
1: Absolutely. My dog, Ken, is our online dog training program. And it's basically our grade one program adapted for an online environment. And we were actually a little bit late coming to an online program because we wanted to make sure that we got it right. We didn't want to just, we've been approached, we've been here since 1982. So we have been in business for a very long time. We have helped 80,000 families have great family members. And we've, been approached a million times about making videos of our training program and we've always said no because the strength in our program is really the staff the knowledge in the staff and the support that you get by coming to class here so we didn't want to just put a bunch of videos online and claim okay here's the mccann method because that's not that wasn't really good enough for us. We wanted to make sure that we were able to give the support that we can offer in classes here as well. So we came out with our grade one program for online, which covers um, coming when called, regardless of whatever distractions are out there, you really want to have that completely reliable recall walking nicely on leash and stays as well and stays are a really important thing for building emotional control and you know in situations like what we were just talking about that dog needed more emotional control he needed to have had many 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 lessons that taught him how to calm himself how to get rid of that stimulation how to adjust how to how to interpret the stimulation you know there needed to be so much more teaching for that dog in order for that dog to have made a different decision there. So, I mean, unfortunately we can't go back in time, but People don't um, don't tend to practice stays as much, and I can tell you they're such a crucial part of things. They're really, really important for teaching emotional control. So all of those really important skills, being able to walk nicely with your dog without the pulling and without them lunging at other things or without them dragging you down the street, all those things are covered in the My Dog Can program, and there's so much more as well. Um, we give you support any way you can contact us. So you can call us, you can email us, you can chat with us in the Facebook group, you can send videos, you can post videos in the Facebook group. You know, there's there's so many different ways to get support in the My Dog Ken program that we finally were able to say, okay, we can go online because we're gonna do it like this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice transition. And I know Shannon and I spent a couple of years trying to really bring that um, super successful McCann Method Grade One program over to the online space. And I I feel like uh, we've really hit our stride as we see um, as we see uh, our students in the uh, in the Facebook group and uh, through email contact us talking about their big wins. I mean, uh, the, this past month has been especially cool uh, seeing all of the really excited dog owners who you know have uh, come come. So so far with their dogs and I, I think a lot of people just didn't have the, the expectation that their dog would listen and that their dog would come reliably each and every time so it's exciting to see those people um, you know really enjoy the success uh, that they've they've had through the my Dog camp program so I'll drop a link in the show notes below and if this is the YouTube video I'll, I'll drop a link to the my Dog camp program in the description below and uh, Shannon was there anything else that you you wanted to add?
1: Oh, I think I added a lot. (laughs) Just be safe, everybody. Just, you know, trust your instincts. Use caution. Remember that they're dogs.
0: Yeah, that's really important. And I want to thank you guys for listening to our podcast today. If this is your first time on our McCann Dogs podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We publish new podcasts every single week. They talk about how dogs think, uh, how dogs learn, and how you can become a better trainer for your four-legged family member. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast and if you'd like some more training resources be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs and if you'd like to train with us online be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program where we know in just a few weeks your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training!